And so as we're getting ready to wade into this morning, I want to set a couple of ground rules. Ground rule number one, there's no wrong answers. If you shout something out, I, I want to give you permission. Because right, for those of us that grew up in the church, we grew up thinking, okay, well, there's the one right answer. And if I don't get the one right answer, everyone will look at me and know I'm just dumb, right? Okay? So put that out of your brain. We'll get to a consensus on what we think the passage is saying. But until then, okay, there's no wrong answer. And secondly, there's no such thing as a dumb question. So if, if you're like, hey, what about, I don't, I don't get, you know, it's okay. There's no such thing as a dumb question. Because we have so, so missed out on good rabbinical teaching. In Jesus' day, when Jesus was teaching, they, Rabbi, hey, uh-uh, that's not what it says in Deuteronomy, or uh, you got to be kidding me, or you are smoking marijuana, Jesus. I don't care, you know, okay? So there was that interchange and dialogue, and it was good, and it was healthy. We Christians lost that somewhere, I don't know, probably in the first or second century. We should get it back. It would be good for us. Okay, so there you go, two ground rules. Uh, you know, don't worry about, you know, getting the one right thing, and secondly, there's no such thing as a dumb question. All right, so to set the stage... I, uh, out of my box, last week I brought a box, a shoebox full of letters that Jenny had written to me in the summer of 1989. And they were letters uh, that she wrote while we were separated. I was in Indiana, she was in Virginia, and we couldn't see each other all summer. Okay? And, and at the end of church last week, I opened one of the letters, and all it said was, only 13 days. Do you have any guess what that meant? Only 13 days till what? Only 13. How do you know that? That's what girls write, she says. So, so knowing something, a little something about the author and why something's being written is helpful to know. Knowing that it was written from Jenny to me and the context helps out. Okay, so keep that in mind. All right, so here we go. And, and on this two-page thing that you have in front of you is really just some basic inductive Bible study stuff along with some max tidbits on the back. But we're going to look at a passage of Scripture together. We're going to look at Ephesians chapter 2, okay? So we're just going to look at 10 verses, and let's see if we can figure out what God's trying to say in these 10 verses. You can do this. Oh, you can. We can do this together, all right? So here we go. And, and the first thing, all we want to do in the first go-round of reading the Scripture is just make some observations. What's it saying? What's going on there? What do you think's going on? Okay, so here we go. Once you were dead because of your disobedience in many sins. You used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. But our very, by our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. Now, I'm reading this slowly because so, you're reading ahead, right? And you're going to, you know, okay, so be, be making those mental notes. What, what's going on here, huh? What's going on? Okay, but, but God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life. When he raised Christ from the dead, it is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God 
can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness toward us, as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus, so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. So there you go, just 10 verses from a letter. And so here's a little bit about the context. This letter is written from, by, by a guy named Paul to a group of Christians in Ephesus, and he had spent three years there, so he knew the people really well. Okay? Are there any things that jump out at you from these 10 verses? What are some observations that we could make about this passage? What are some things being said in these 10 verses? Anybody want to jump out some things? They used to be sinners. They used to be what? Dead? Oh, no. Do you think, what kind of dead is that? Well, okay, well, let's tuck that back. Okay, so they were dead. That's not that's probably not good. Sinner's probably not good, right? Isn't holiness better? All right, I think I read ahead. All right, so what are some other things we see going on? What are some other observations? I, I'll tell, let me share one that I made just this go-around, preparing for this morning. I was like, oh my goodness. It, it says it right here. Um, verse 2, he is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. And the he there is referring to the devil. It's like, there it is in the Bible. The devil can actually be at work in the hearts of people, those who refuse to obey God. But there it is right there in the Bible. <gasps> okay, I was like, whoa. Other, other observations, maybe on more from but and beyond, all right? After the but. What are some things that, are, that he's saying? You were once dead, but now you're what? You're what? Alive. Whoa, there's a big contrast. Dead and then alive. Okay. Hmm. All right. And so God points us to God save you by his grace when you believe. You can't take credit for it. You know, is, what's, is he saying anything about salvation that's important? It's only by grace. Boy, there's that word. What's grace? Okay, so grace is a big word in here. All right. Yeah, what's going on there? He raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms. So we're united with Christ. Well, that's kind of ethereal. Is he on LSD? What's going on? Okay, that's good. Drug stuff. I'm sorry. I have it on the brain. Maybe it's the big article I read. Well, not because it's in my system. All right, so we've, we've observed that uh, in, this, in these 10 verses, he's saying things like, you were dead, but now you're alive, and somehow you're seated up in heaven with Christ. Uh, we've observed that grace somehow is probably important. Um, the devil is at work in the hearts. Any other observations you want to make? Ooh, we are God's masterpiece. That's a good one. So we're, we're, uh, we're not producing, we're not the producers, we're in essence the product. Um, we're God's masterpiece, okay? Some other things that I observed in here, um, uh, salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. 
you can't earn salvation. There it is in the Bible. You can't, no matter how hard you try, no matter how hard you work, you can't earn it. You can't get it. You can't be awarded it as a ding. Max, I'm so proud of you. That's awesome. You read the Bible through 50 times. Come on, Peter, Peter, Gabriel, come on. Woohoo! Salvation dance. Slam dunk. No, it's not in there. It's a gift. I'm sorry. I don't want to get excited. Okay. All right. So, uh, other observation I made, um, all of us used to live that way following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. And I'm not sure what that means, sinful nature, because, you know, it's not like I'm going out and when I meet somebody for lunch, so Max, how's your sinful nature? I mean, it's not, doesn't come up in conversation, okay? So that, 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 those two words require some investigation, but you know what? One thing observation I made from the first three verses is I am my biggest problem. According to those three verses, it's not my parenting. It's not the circumstances of my childhood. It's not my job. It's not all that other stuff. I was dead because of me. I mean, he says you were dead because of you. (laughs) So there you go. Um, So uh, anything else you want? Okay, so uh, let's go to this verse four, all right? So he's got all this stuff, and he's talking about dead, sin, sinful nature, wrath of God, okay? And then there's but. You should, anytime you're reading the Bible and you see a but, that's important. It really is. Think of it this way. You, you get a phone call. There's been an accident, but everyone's okay. Uh the company is going to do a series of layoffs, but your job has been saved. I mean, so but can be one of those very important words. So there it is. What, uh, what is Paul, is, do you have a guess at what Paul might be saying about God's response to these Ephesians? Um, you know, they were once dead, now they're alive. So, all right, we'll, we'll, keep, we'll keep working on it. Are there questions that come to mind of these 10 verses that you'd like to address? Are there things that confuse you, things that you go, well, that makes no sense? Yep. Did the people that he was talking to understand this any better than we do? Did the people understand this any better than we do? Yes, right? This is 2,000-year-old stuff and concepts and ideas. So some, some cultural context is important, yes. Um, things like sinful nature, being dead, being alive. Is he really talking about being dead, physically dead, do you think? If you were to take a guess and go, hmm, I, you know, no. Can we all agree? He's ta- so the death he's talking about is something other than being physically dead. But metaphorically, let me ask you a question. If you're dead, can you do anything to help yourself? No. So if you're spiritually dead, can you do anything spiritually to help yourself by way of analogy? No. So, okay, so the first three verses are really bad news. So if Paul's writing to a group of Christians, a group of people who've been made alive, why on earth would he need to remind them about all that nasty death stuff and sin stuff? I mean, if it was in their past and it was all behind them and they all said yes to Jesus and got saved at a Billy Graham crusade, I'm not saying he's that old, but, you know, if, if they're all saved and everything's good, why would he want to remind them of all the bad stuff? There's a question I have. Are there questions that you have from these 10 verses you want to shout out? It's okay. So it all totally makes sense to you. Oh, ooh, okay. 
I doubt that. All right. Clarification. Fence sitting really is that bad. What sitting? Fence sitting. Fence sitting. Oh, being kind of in between dead and alive? All right, yep. You used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander. Yep, so he kind of paints it out as in it's a big stark contrast. Yes, he's painting out there. And he's like, before, before you were dead, you were in sin, you were under God's wrath. So can we all agree that that's probably really, really bad? You know, dead sin under God's wrath. That's, you know, if I had a preferred, you know, hey, I want to have a good week, I'm not going to want those three things to be a part of the week. So yes, all right? And then, but after the but, there, he gave us life. And one thing that jumped out at me as I was looking at this is I was reminded of John three sixteen, But God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life. God loves, so God gives. There it is woven in Paul. Um, it's not just in John 3.16. So, yes, this is, Paul. I think Paul's among the harder things to read in the Bible. Like if you, if you were to pull me all of Paul's letters, I think that's the hardest stuff in the Bible. For me, the easy stuff to read is all the stuff in the Old Testament from Joshua, First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, because it's all stories. And then David did this, and then Goliath did that, and then Jezebel, oh man, she did. And then, okay, so there's all that story stuff, and, and I can totally track with that. The Gospels, and then Jesus showed up in Capernaum and healed this person, and the Pharisees said this, and Jesus then went, kapow, and you know, I can follow that stuff too. It makes sense to me. Paul, I think Paul's like the hardest stuff in the Bible to me, other than maybe Leviticus. So that's why I picked a Paul thing, because I think this is some of the hardest stuff in the Bible. This is all his heady brain, because he's a brainiac. Yes, ma'am? So the first few verses, mm -hmm. he's talking to Christians. Not exactly. I think, I think in the first three verses, uh, Paul's reminding these Christians, now remember, you were once dead. You were once dead. A, ma a slave to sin. You were once under God's wrath. Remember, it was really bad. Oh, yeah. I don't know if you've ever had a close call with a car on the road, but it's funny. When someone comes this close to your car because they've swerved over the median, and you're like, oh, and you don't have time to react, and then as you're driving along, you try and push your heart back into your chest, Later on that day, you hug your wife or your husband a little harder, don't you? I mean, you, you, I love you. you. There's gratitude that overwhelms you. All of a sudden, life's a gift, and all this other stuff kicks in. It's weird, and it lasts for like, I don't know, a day and a half or two, and then it's gone. Isn't that weird, the way it works? I think spiritually the same thing can happen. I think that, you know, we... Yes, Jesus, I, believe, I put my faith and confidence in what Jesus Christ did, his death and resurrection. That's the only thing that's going to make me right with God. 
and we feel that relief and that gratitude because we know that we were sinners. We know we messed up and we feel that weight lifted off of us. And then as time progresses, I think we forget, just like you can forget those close calls in the car on the road. And so uh, Paul here in his writing, this group of Christians, he's reminding them, remember it was bad. It was really bad. You were under wrath and death. Yes, ma'am. There you go. Kate says, and we can get to a point where we begin to think that our good stuff that we're doing, our Bible reading, our going to church stuff, that somehow now that, you know, we're not that dead under wrath person anymore, we're a new child of God, and we can kind of somehow think that it's our stuff that we're doing that somehow makes God happy to see us, and, and you know, that somehow that stacks up with him. And in, in Paul's addressing this in the last little bit, he says, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew. In, in those two phrases, is there anything that you and I are doing to make that happen? If you're a work of art, did you do anything to become a work of art? No, it was all the artist. So we're God's masterpiece. And then, you know, uh, created anew, there it is. It's all God working in us and through us. Um, and so flip it over to the back, right? Because we got to keep going along. If One thing that I always try to do when I'm looking at a passage is I try to ask myself, well, what's the big idea? Is there a big idea in this passage? And if so, what is it? And I give you permission to laugh because this is going to seem so basic and you're going to go, well, duh, but this is kind of what it is. So I go, well, what's this passage trying to say? And I wrote in my notes, don't forget, you were dead, but now you're alive by God's grace. That's what I wrote. You can write whatever, you know, you think the big idea is, okay? And it might be a little different from mine. That's okay. No one's going to die, right? Um, and I want you to change something on your sheet. Now turn that statement into a question, big idea question. There are actually three ways you can start a big idea question. What, why, or how? Not just why, but what, why, or how? In other words, so I'm, t you know, if my big idea statement, in other words, if I think in these 10 verses, Paul is trying to say, hey, don't forget, you were once dead, now you're alive by God's grace. I, I put it in the form of a question and I say, well, how are we made alive when we were completely dead? And then my answer is, by God's grace and mercy, which is motivated by love. To me, that's really good news. I don't know how you're hardwired. I'm hardwired to be a perfectionist people pleaser. That's just my hardwiring, okay? And so for people like me, uh, the default setting is for us to try and interface with God by, you know, hey, I read my Bible. Hey, I prayed for, you know, 15 people this week. Hey, I haven't done any big sins since the 80s. Surely that's okay, right? You know, aren't I, aren't I in? No. Uh, C.S. Lewis said, the, the big thing that makes Christianity different from all the other religions is this one thing that you have in this passage right here, grace. And 
you, we didn't have out our concordances or dictionaries, but some words at the top of the second page that you could look up, dead, what does that mean in the Bible? Nature, what does that mean in the Bible? Mercy, let me give you a definition of mercy. You can write this on your sheet right there. Mercy is when, is, uh, when God does not give us what we actually deserve. Uh, let's say, uh, guys, that you had promised your wife that you would do X household chore, okay? I promise I'm going to do this chore. Um, you don't deliver. Instead, you slack off. You've watched the game. You've done other things. She reminds you, two weeks pass by. And then you encounter her, and she's got the stuff about the chore. In that moment, your wife could go, you know, you never do anything. That she could go down that road, okay? But let's say this time she goes, you know what? I, I did that. It's no big deal. I love you. It's covered. Now, you're probably in shock at that moment, okay? But, but still, that's mercy. She didn't give you what you deserve. You deserve to kind of be gently prodded, nudged, reminded, and she was merciful, okay? Mercy is when God does not give us what we actually deserve. Grace, grace is the opposite of that. Grace is that when God gives us what we don't deserve. Grace is when you get something that you don't deserve. Yep. The question. Oh, that we was talking about rewards, uh huh. I didn't mean to imply that there are levels, but yes, okay, all right, that's good. Yep. Mm-hmm. And the question is, well, if there's rewards in the afterlife, and that's based on stuff that you do, how is it that the afterlife then is based on not anything that you do at all? How is it that the afterlife, heaven part of the afterlife, is just a gift? How does that work? Am I close to the question? Okay. Um, it, it doesn't get it into this passage here, but in, in, some, other lev- in some other letters... Uh, Paul fleshes out in Romans especially that uh, getting into heaven, so to speak, is a gift. Salvation is a gift. Being made right with God is a gift. It's not anything that you do or I do. It's something that's simply given to us based on what Jesus Christ did. Um, It's as if when we're interfacing with God, once we put our confidence in Jesus Christ, God's not looking at our misdeeds. God's looking at how Christ lived out his life perfectly. It's kind of this weird exchange. It's what Luke, Martin Luther called it, the glorious exchange. Um, but then there are other passages where Jesus talks about, um, you know, storing up stuff in heaven. Um, and then Paul talks about rewards. Um, they're not, they're talking about um, uh, slightly different things. Uh, being in heaven uh, is one thing, the kind of life that you have, the, the amount of responsibility you have is a little different. Um, once you're part of God's family, you're part of God's family. Uh, but apparently the Bible does teach about that there are things that we're doing, and really, in a, in a sense, is it us doing it or God doing it through us simply because we've been allowed ourselves to be willing and open? That's more what it is, Amber. We're simply 
we're open, rather than in this verse being stubbornly refusing to obey God, we're open and we're saying, okay, you know, here we are. I, I want to obey you. I want to serve you. I want to please you. You know, use me. Here I am. I'm available. In that sense, as God's operating through us, through that obedience, um, you know, we do show ourselves to be trustworthy, etc. And so that in the afterlife, and I, I've, I can't answer that directly because I've not been there yet. So I, I, have, I have no firsthand experience, and there aren't, you know, we only get these little snippets in the Bible, but you get enough to know that somehow there's this component in the afterlife where, you know, there's levels of responsibility or, or however that plays out based on how open we were to God in this life. So, but entry is not based on what you do. Entry is based on what God did. Quick observation. Yep. Right. Yep. Okay. Chris said, I, I see it as a difference between being hired. You know, you agree to be, you know, you put your faith and confidence in Jesus. You're made a steward in a sense. And then, you know, it's what you do then from that point out. And he sees that as being a difference. Yep. So entry point into heaven is not based on what you do. Uh, take a couple more and then the G-towners will get worried. Right. Oh, Jenny says, as Americans, we usually relate the word rewards with material things. Yeah. Nowhere in the Bible does it spell out the reward is going to be 60 cubits of gold zirconium. <laughs> the reward is going to be, it doesn't, it just says reward. So, you know, we tend to make assumptions. Oh, well, I know what rewards are. I don't know. It's <laughs> a good point. There was a hand over here. Yes, sir. Right? It's in Matthew. Yep. The, I did all this stuff. Depart from me. I never knew you. Well, another person did all this stuff, and you can come in. Yep. Mm -hmm. um, let's see. Oh, I got it. I got it. It's right here. This is what Martin Luther said. He said this. Grace alone saves, but grace that saves is not alone. When I put my trust and confidence in Jesus Christ, I was made a new person. Just like Paul says in this passage, I was taken from being spiritually dead to being made alive to God. And, and I have God's spirit living in me now. And, and so uh, I'm not consistent 100%, but I'm trying to have my hands open and allow God to use me and work through me. Um, the... Uh, when you've experienced that kind of grace, two things tend to happen. One, you just get, you're grateful. One of the initial things that people 
experience when they uh, put their confidence in Jesus Christ is they're grateful. They're grateful because they know. They know. I'm a sinner. I've done A, B, C. I know what I did. I don't even need to be reminded. And they're grateful that God set this thing up to work the way it does, that it's a gift, that it's what Jesus Christ did. And, and so the gratitude, gratitude is attractive, isn't it? I mean, when you meet and encounter someone who's generally grateful instead of being, say, bitter or s- cynical, you know, grateful is, is attractive. And then the other thing that tends to happen is that because uh, you've been receiving grace, then you extend grace in your other relationships. And it's, it's challenging. It requires, you know, letting go of some things and whatnot. And then that happens. And, and, and so in that way, you're simply being gracious to people the way God's been gracious to you. Um, yes, John, there are a number of passages that talk about how the afterlife is sorted on, based on what you do. But your entry point into heaven, your being made right with God, is not based on what you do. It, that's why it's good news and not bad news, because it's not based on what you do. And it sounds like we, should, we might get into it. It's, uh, yes, there's a way to understand the way it works, but the way Jesus did, explained it best is this. He said, an apple tree is just an apple tree. And you know what? Over time, it's going to produce apples. If you're a new creation in Christ... If you've been made alive and you're no longer dead, live, living children of God produce X. Over the course of their life, this is what tends to happen. Why? Because they're a made-alive child of God. They've been brought from death to life, and that's just what happens. Why? Because apple trees make apples, and, that, and that's the best way to explain it. It's not that the work you're having to do it. It's just because of who you've become. It comes out of who you are. Um, some simple tips I've got on the back. Uh, when I'm reading a passage, I always try and pray, hey, God, teach me. Um, and then uh, three simple questions. What does it say? What does it mean? What does it mean to me? Is a good way to look at it. And so here, here you and I together this morning, we've taken some steps to, to look at 10 verses, right? And Paul's written these people and he said, hey, you were dead and now you've been made alive by God's grace. When I'm reminded that I was dead, I, it ups my gratitude level and it ups my level of being generous and, and uh, gracious with other people in my life. I hope it does the same for you. And I think that's what Paul was intending in writing that to these group of Christians. Um, so there you go. It's a start. You can tuck it in your Bible. You can use those questions later. And um, anytime, I would encourage you, anytime you got questions that you're wondering about stuff, it's great. Send, email me, Isaiah, anybody. Send us questions. We love dialoguing. This isn't a community of faith that's afraid to talk about things and talk through things. And, and as I said again, there's no such thing as a dumb question. There really isn't. Um, I hope today that you will at least see that you can read the Bible, and at some level, understand it. Do you think you can read the Bible and understand parts of it? Yes, you can, Leah. You can, you can, you can. You can do it, and God can help you. And believe it or not, God wants to speak to you through the Bible, and if you'll just take the time regularly to be reading through it, God will speak.